Hello, hello, and welcome to all, welcome all to this episode of Disciple Talks. I am your host, Esco the Disciple, kicking with you guys for the next couple of moments. If you are looking at the live video of this, as you can see, I am not alone, so I have a special guest with me. I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself. How you all doing? I'm um, Eric White, and I have a um, nonprofit organization that I just started called The Stroke of Faith, Virginia 216. And we're gonna get into the whole meaning of that name, A Stroke of Faith, Virginia 216, during this broadcast. And it's just the first of many more to come. Amen, amen. So this is my brother right here. This is my brother, this is my guy. I've known this guy for a long time, long, yeah. long time. Um, actually, why don't you tell him how, how we first met? Uh, I was in high school. We both were in high school, but uh, we went. He went to one school, I went to another school. But we ended up working at the same McDonald's back in high school, and we, you know, time went on, and I went my way, he went his way, and you know, as we both were living life, we, you know, then we lost contact with each other, whatever. Then thanks to Facebook, we got back in contact with each other, and picked up where we left off, and it was just like a bond because we both experienced some of the same things, not even knowing it. Right. That's right, man. When I tell y'all, one of my favorite quotes is even an encourager needs to be encouraged. This guy right here has, you know, I, I, I base my social media platform on encouraging people and uplifting people. But even sometimes I feel weary and this guy right here has really spoken into my life um, since we reconnected um, so it's just been a blessing to have him. I consider this my brother. Um, I'm just thankful for, for him being there for me, you know, encouraging me, speaking to me and sharing his testimony. Um, so that way we, you know, we can, there's a saying that says iron sharpens iron. So, you know, when you have somebody that is, has the same kind of principles as you, you bet you feed off of each other. And I, I feel like, you know, we feed off of each other, just lifting each other up and really just being encouragers to one another. So this is my guy. And I don't know if you guys remember, but when I first announced this podcast, I made, I, I dropped in his spirit and in mind that he was going to be the very first guest host on it. And I kind of, I think I might have caught him off guard a little bit <laughs> uh, when I did that, but here we are. So um, here, here, here he is. And so... For the next couple of episodes of my podcast, I'm going to be dealing with mental health. I think mental health, although it is something that gets more press these days, it's still understated and not talked about enough, especially in the community of people of color. Um, and so the next couple of episodes, I'm going to have special guests that will be here that will kind of help bring home the importance of mental health in different aspects. Um so the reason why I asked Eric to come on is because his story is phenomenal. And what I told him before we sat down and started this is, is that I was gonna have kind of let this be his episode um, to really um, tell his story and kind of drive home some points about mental health. So first of all, Eric, if you could just tell, give just kind of a little background about what you went through when you went from high school to adulthood. If you can just kind of okay. share with the people what happened. Well, um, I started off, I jumped off the porch at a very young age. You know, I 
I joined the merchant, I became a merchant seaman through with military sealer command and started at the age of 18 and traveled all over the world. I've seen some places that some people just only dream about seeing. But at the end of the day, I'm looking at all the money I'm making at the age of 18 and I'm not thinking about the things that I'm actually fighting on the inside, the things I'm battling with on the, on the inside. I lost my biological father when I was 17. And it was some things, you know, that my biological father had going on that he actually planted in me, but it was, it was, it was stuff that actually made me suffer mentally because I was mentally incarcerated in myself between alcoholism, you know, to drink my pains away to 18 years of undiagnosed mental health. Man. So, wow. it eventually, you know, I sailed from 18 to 31. And eventually, I left military seat of command in 2015 because there's so much that I saw that they didn't want you to talk about, that I experienced that bothered me, you know, from certain things I've seen on deployments. And I, I just couldn't deal with it mentally anymore. So, I left. And uh, I started going, I was actually in the deck department when I was with Military Seal Command. And when the deck department, you really don't have much to go to in the real world, but to the shipyard. So I went to the shipyard, caught on, became the leader at the shipyard like I knew I was. And I gradually ended up working my way as a contractor, but as a contractor supervisor. But I was still battling, you know, mentally. So I was still drinking and drinking and drinking. And then what ended up leading to what the pandemic hit, which sent us into the biggest state of depression since the Great Depression. Man. You know, I never knew I suffered from anxiety and PTSD and, and all of my diagnoses were considered classified as severe. So I not only suffered from alcoholism for 18 years, which is 216 months. That's what the 216 stands for uh in my actual nonprofit and in my logo so a stroke of faith it led to me having a stroke and that's when i found out i had a double ischemic stroke in my cerebellum uh back in june back on june 14 2021 and i'll never forget that day i still remember that day like it was yesterday and my mother is up here you know to actually, she has the mental receipts <laughs> to prove it, to say, I, 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 say, I like my pastor uses, no cap on this, you know. But I went through so much, and that's when my mother, as I was in the hospital from having a double ischemic stroke, that's when my mother was finally able to see the, how, how the alcoholism had taken control of me, how the alcohol had just really, you know, it was blinding me. You know, but I was blinded at sea by the money I was making, but I was killing myself on the inside. Mm. I actually, you know, had thoughts of suicide. I had thoughts of giving it up. I just had thoughts of, you know, feeling like I wasn't worth it. I had no love. I had nobody to count on. But all in all, it was stuff that I was battling on the inside. And I didn't know that, you know, I was, I was, I was too naive and too stuck in my pride to go and get the proper help that I needed. And that's something that, a lot of men, and I'm fellas, I'm talking to you all too. I'm talking to you all fellas, don't get upset, but I'm just being honest with you. A lot of men 
they're so stuck in their pride that they don't want to step out there and admit that they need some help. Right. You know, and also, you know, the way we were raised, I know the way, you know, my generation, where I was raising my family, what's done in this house stays in this house. So you don't go out and tell family business out in the street. So I went into adulthood going to see still with that mentality stuck in my head. But I had the things that my dad, you know, let him rest in peace, that he had installed in me mentally saying, I want, you know, I showed him everything, you know, and I, I don't care who gets upset about it, but um, when he was living, uh, I had gotten all my paperwork, all my documents together, you know, to go into the merchant scene, and I showed it to him. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me straight into, and, and, and this still hurts me to this day. You know, I've I forgiven him. I moved on, but I had to forgive myself as well. Right. But he looked there straight at me because of the incarcerational curse that was on him and through his bloodline and not everyone but from his bloodline but I had to be the, the curse breaker of that because right. I had a grandfather that just passed away back in January or February he did <laughs> he did the amount of time my mother's age that's how much time he spent in the penitentiary wow and I'm 40 years old so you can only imagine yeah you know what I'm saying and I had uncles then I had my dad and it was all, you know, I lost my father, but I still went my entire life with that, where he said I won't end up being nothing but, I won't end up being nothing but a criminal just like them because it's in my blood. And that's what I dealt with for so long because of the rage that I had built up because of the alcoholism, because I didn't have nobody to open up to, because I felt like I was too, you know, going and, and voicing my opinion of how I felt and what I was going through as a man was showing signs of weakness. And I wanted to give up. And now that's what I'm doing with a stroke of faith, man, is I'm, I'm encouraging people every single day. And it's not to please nobody but God, but to reach a different individual. If I could reach one person every single day, that's what we talk about. You know, yes. that's 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 something because, like I told you, I can share with you. What I, what's my saying? An occupation is what you paid to do, but a calling is what you made to do. That's right. And that's good. You know, right there, God linked us back together after 22 years of being separated. You know, that day that we sat down, we knew that it was something, but we just didn't know what it was. Yeah, no, not the moment. And, yeah. And here we are now, you know, like five months later from the actual time, you know, time we actually met. So, you know, we, we here, you know, I'm glad to see you all up here with us yeah. and joining. So, so, E, so I know we, I know we didn't have conversations offline, but I, I really want to drive the point home about what actually led up to this point. So talk a little bit about like some of the things that you were going through. Um, like coming home from deployments and like some of the things that you were doing for people as a result of what you were dealing with mentally that you didn't really know um, at the time what was going on. So I just want you to talk a little bit about that so that way the people can can kind of okay. hear that. Well, like I said, I I would come home and I was I was showing. I mean, I was blowing thousands of dollars every single weekend but now I, mind you guys and i, I no, cut ahead, you over, mind you he was a merchant seaman this he had to then bring home six figures and mind you when you out on this deployment 
you pretty much are stacking bread. You're stacking money. You're not spending money because they're taking care of everything. So you have all this money that you're coming home with. And then when you come home, you have nothing but money because all everything that you are, um, everything that they that you need while you're away, they take care of. So just you know, just imagine coming home with a whole bunch of money and really unlimited unlimited funds essentially to do pretty much whatever you want. So if you could just kind of expound on like where you were mentally at that part of your life coming home with all of this money, 18, 19 years old, coming home with all this money. If you could just talk about that a little bit. I mean, mentally, I still didn't know where I was because I still hadn't found myself yet because I was still dealing with so much. So I was actually looking for love, making friendships in all the wrong places. I was putting myself in environments, spending money, doing, taking care of people, helping pay bills, you know, some people I've actually given my last to at that time, man. And it was all because I was looking for someone to say or, or to accept me. And when I say accept me, I had a family, but because of my alcohol problem, man, my family really didn't want to have me around because I was causing chaos and not even knowing and still pointing the finger blaming everybody else. When it was, they may have, they may have done certain things that have hindered me, but I was actually damaging and killing myself. You know what wow. I'm saying? And it was because I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm literally coming home and I never forget coming home from Haiti when after that big earthquake hit Haiti. Mm-hmm. I came home from Haiti. I think I was going like six months to Haiti. Came home and I went to this spot and that night, I never forget. The bartender coming to me with a tab, eleven hundred dollars. I'm like, ho, 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 ho. But I'm like, hold on, you know what I'm saying? I got it. But it was still, I'm, 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 I'm kicking all people that I didn't have to to people that really meant me no well. Right. But I thought because they was there, because they was always in the scene with me, I felt like, oh yeah, they cared for me. They got mad love for me. Oh man, it was just leeches and I was allowing it. So I can't get mad with them because they only people gonna only do what you allow them to do. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. But I was still I was still blind to the fact of what I was dealing with on the inside. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you can just imagine like the mental mind frame of trying to essentially buy love because you are lacking something on the inside that you don't even necessarily know what it is at the moment because at to your and, and again I don't want to put words in your mouth but from the outside looking in I would just I can only just imagine that you were so messed up in the in the mind and you're trying to remedy that remedy that by buying love all in a while not really loving yourself yeah. because of all the stuff and this goes back to things that you dealt with from childhood that you shared with me about yeah. like the issues that you had with your dad and not really kind of getting to resolve in that situation. So this that led you up to now seeking love other places yeah. because of that. And as a result of that, that led to more alcoholism and more undiagnosed PTSD and all those things. And, you know, one of the things that I really loved about his story is, is that it just goes to show you from you know we see celebrities out there that have endless some funds uh, the person that that comes to mind 
the most is Robin Williams. Hmm. Robin Williams made all these movies, had all these stand-up comedy shows, did TV shows, but was still so unhappy with himself that he decided to take his life. So that goes to show you, and this guy right here kind of brought the point home for me. You can have all the worldly riches, you can have all of this and you can have all of that, but if you're not right within your mind, then all of that stuff means nothing at the end of the day. If you don't have the love for yourself, it doesn't matter what physical possessions that you have. Because at the end of the day, you have to love yourself first and foremost. And if you love, if you have the love for yourself, then all those other things are just byproducts of, you know, the manifestations of God by having physical things. But having the love of self. And when I when I say that a lot of people sometimes they get they take it the wrong way because they say, oh, well, that's selfish. But what I say to that is that that's not selfish. That's necessary. Yeah. You have to love yourself. Correct. Yo, most definitely. Most I, I'm 39 and I didn't really know what loving yourself meant or was. You know, I just became comfortable with allowing someone of interest in my safe place because I was against so many people. You know, so many people would... They would, so many people would 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 use me. So like a, a quote I picked up from a lady that goes to my church. She says, "You're allowing God to utilize you instead of people use you," and that's something that stuck with me. And I use her. I mean, when when when, when Mister Lori put that into my head mm. one day. Can you say that again for the people that in the back that ain't here? Allow God to utilize you instead of allowing people to use you. Mm, come on. And I learned that from Minister Lori at my church. And when I say that the church that I attend, man, Relevant Church, it's so deep in this. I love it. And that's, as a saying that we use in the church, that is my set place because I had the vision of wanting to help people because I've always wanted, I've always been a helping hand, you know, but this time, I'm actually helping people where they're, where they are struggling at, where they're hurting at, which is battling things on the inside because I was there. Right. I was there, you know what I'm saying? I was there out to sea and just like, man, I can just walk off the side of this boat and it's nothing. But who is that going to, that's, that's not going to solve anything. That's not right. going to solve anything. And Relevant Church, being a partner at Relevant Church, it made me understand the meaning of faith. It's a saying that uh, that I love that we use in my church called connecting the Bible with real life. Right. And when I say my pastor and his wife, they break it down and they make it. I, my entire life I was raised in church. I never understood the Bible until I joined this church. It'd be a year next month. Mm-hmm. And... Now we've merged with another church and now my pastor and his wife are actually they're doing it they're doing it in the South Norfolk area, but I've learned so much from these two and it's it's powerful man. I've never I've just I'm just meeting people that are fellow partners at the church and I trust them 
I trust the handful of people that I do open up to more than some people I've known in my entire life because great, yeah. you know because I I can talk to them and they don't they're not trying to just use me or pull from me. You know you got to surround yourself with people that want more for you instead of more from you. Right? You can't you, know you can't you can't pour from an empty cup. Hello. You cannot pour from an empty cup no matter how much you try. If your cup is empty and you try if you turn it upside down and there's nothing in it. You're not going to get anything out of it. So I love that. I love that point. And the fact that you allowed yourself to open up in that manner is good because you essentially are saying, okay, God, I've been through a lot. I've been through a lot and I've tried to do it my way. Hmm. I've I've tried to do it my way and I've tried to deal with my mental health issues my way i tried to drown my sorrows in alcohol i've tried to numb the pain i've tried to buy love as opposed to really relying on the love of god to really sustain you to really bring you from that point that you were at to where you are today yes so it's so it's so awesome man to just see the progress you know again like he said him and i um we met I think I was 17, he was 16. We met working at McDonald's. Now, I tell anybody that will listen, McDonald's McDonald's was the lowest paying job I ever had, but I had the most fun (laughs) at McDonald's. Some of the things that we did there, I'm not gonna speak on because it it get kinda crazy, I ain't gonna front. Shout out to Ernest Brandon, my brother. Shout out to, Anika, uh, Charletta, yeah, all Sandra, of the, the whole crew, Sandra, Sandra White. Shout out to my our old McDonald's crew. But we did so many things, not really knowing the impact that it was having on us. Even even you think just you know McDonald's, you know that's you know fast food job, you flipping burgers, what have you. But we ex- we were exposed to a lot in that forum. Yeah. I. <laughs> I actually had, no, no, I had my first battles with alcohol at McDonald's. I had some of my struggles with being promiscuous at McDonald's. So it was a lot of things that we were exposed to working there that in 20 years later, I never realized until I started going to therapy, some of the things that I dealt with back then that I didn't think nothing of but really impacted me to the point where now as an adult as an adult with a family and and taking care of things you know taking care of a household or what have you that I didn't realize that some of those things that happened when I was younger really had the impact that it had on me later on in life so it's yeah, the cut up crew, right, my the cut up crew, right. <laughs> so it, it's it's just crazy how things come full circle. And now I used to see this guy right here on Facebook buying out the bar. I used to see him come home, cars, pay, paying people bills and stuff, and not realizing even I'm I'm thinking I'm sitting back, you know, like wow, like he's really making this money, but not even realizing that he is not happy. He is not happy doing what he's doing. He's doing it trying to buy people. But he's not actually happy 
with himself and and even still yet trying to put on this facade of yeah I got it I got it he had a lot of monetary things but his mental was, was not there so to see this guy right here where he's come from and then and then he, if you could you know I think this this point will drive it home if you could just talk about your 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 health issues if you can kind of break that down and just kind of really tell the people like what happened to you where you were mentally at that point if you, if you can and I know it's yeah it's, it, it's, it's, it's yeah actually and I'm glad my mother's up here because I, I truly 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 thank God for her and all right my a sermon I heard at church that made me join back in November was called It Had to Happen, taught by uh, Pastor Ginger Simpson. It had to happen. Pastor G, I'm sorry. So it's called It Had to Happen. And when I say it had to happen, the stroke had to happen, man, because it brought my relationship back stronger with my mother. Mm. It changed so many different things. It changed my trajectory on life as far as looking at where God is taking me and when it came to my health the week before my stroke this is gonna blow a lot of y'all's mind the week before my stroke I had my stroke on June 14th so that was now, now, hold on now mind you I'm 41 he's about to be 40 you have how old were you when you had your stroke uh 37 37 years old 37 years old this man had a what kind of stroke a double ischemic stroke at 37 years old now mind you that kind of stuff is usually people a lot older than that. So I really want you guys to grasp what this young man right here has been through. At 37 years old, he had a stroke. Go ahead. But yeah, I mean, so the week before, it was a Sunday. My mother and my pops came by the house and my mom looked at me and she was like, something is wrong with you. Man, real talk, my ankles, dog, were like, this big, so like the size of a like a miniature bowling ball, them pinballs you don't use for bowling, mm -hmm. miniature bowling. They were huge. So she says, "You need to go to the emergency room." I said, "I got it, Mama. Go tomorrow." You know, Mama knows best. So she knew when she went home, God placed it on her heart, and she called me that night. She says, "I'm gonna get, um, I'm gonna come pick you up in the morning." She knew I wasn't gonna go. She came pick me up, took me to the hospital. They admitted me to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So I had over like 42 pounds of fluid on my body. I'm talking mm -hmm. about my head was, was, I mean, my head, like you stuck a pen in it, it'll explode. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to the hospital. I was in the hospital for an entire week. They discharged me that Friday, which was the 11th, I believe. And uh, came home. That, came home from the hospital. What did I do? <laughs> Still went back to drinking. But that Monday morning, I kept, I woke up, I said, man, I feel dizzy. I'm lightheaded, room spinning. I said, it was a hangover, laid back down. Little did I know, that's when the stroke was happening. I had a blood clot that went through my lungs and to my brain while I was sleeping. Mm. And because of my alcohol content, instead of the blood clot being lodged into my brain, it actually spread. 
to the blood spread. So that's what actually, you know what I'm saying? They didn't have to, I ain't have to have no surgery or nothing done or whatever. To, you know, you see something about some people have strokes and they got to, you know, do brain surgery or whatsoever. So went through all that and I just was delusional. So I can't, I got my room is pitch black. And then I try to get up, I fall out the bed, hit my head, all this stuff. I have no feeling literally from the waist down. So I'm crawling, I'm trying to stand up, not knowing that my legs is not working. So every time I'm trying to stand up, push myself up off the bed, I'm falling, I'm hitting my head. Boom, boom, boom. So I was, for the first time, you know, Siri do whatever she want to do. But for the first time ever, I had, I was on the floor for three and a half hours at home by myself. Mm. And my alarm clock went off on my phone. So my phone lit up. That's how I was able to find my phone. If it, was, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have been able to find my phone because my room was pitch black dark. TV off, lights off, everything. So I just said, Siri called mom. And now Siri going in again. But Siri called my mother. My mother answered the phone. She says, Eric, what's wrong with you? You don't sound right. And next thing I know, my great aunt and my uncle came to the house. And as I remember, my great aunt telling my mom, Abel's, call 911, because he don't even know who I am right now. Mm. And if it wasn't for my mother being stern when I was in the emergency room, because they were trying to discharge me and send me home. Mm-hmm. And she was like, no, nah, I know something's wrong with my son. So I ended up in the hospital, between the hospital and uh, inpatient rehab for 45 days. So I had to go through 19 months of therapy, which was physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. I had to learn how to walk again, talk again. When I was in inpatient rehab, uh, you know, and then I went, that's when I, then I ended up having to have a, what do you call it, a neuropsychological exam. Mm-hmm. Cause I never knew I suffered from all that stuff, you know? Yeah, man. And that's when they did, you know, they seen you through all them tests, about 400 questions, and that's what, <laughs> that'll drive you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, did all that, and that's when I found out that, man, I was suffering from a lot and didn't know it. Yeah, man. And did not know it. <sighs> Now, if that's not a living testimony, man, I don't know what is, man. 37 years old, having a, a major, major traumatic medical event. Um, but, I mean, if you guys can see, he don't, he don't look, he, he, if, if don't look like what he has been through as a person, is this guy right here. He is, look, he looks good, man. He look better than me. <laughs> I, I, he, he looks so good, man, and it's just—it's just awesome, man. If I ever—if I ever doubted or ever struggled with my belief in God, which I've always been—my back, my body is full of tattoos, but about seventy-five to eighty percent of my tattoos are spiritual, religious tattoos, spiritual mm-hmm. tattoos, and my entire back is tattooed with protected by God. So it's yo, I, He has a purpose for me, and that's. And he reunited us so we can we can do his work. That's why I always tell you, bro, keep doing keep doing God's work, man, because I love what you're doing. I appreciate it. And he linked us together to collab and do something and make something powerful happen, man. And that's what we're doing. And that's yes, what sir. we're doing. So y'all heard what, what this man has been through. So now talk about um a stroke of faith VA two sixteen. Okay. So talk about now that you've gone through all that, talk about why you started your company last September I believe it was 
I woke up in the middle of the night, looked at the news, and a young kid went missing at sea. That's how they had to classify it, missing at sea. And I remember calling my mother, telling her about it. And I said, I gotta do something. I gotta stand up and help somebody. If I could just help one person, I gotta help somebody. Cause I just don't tell them what that young kid was going through. Mm -hmm. when, and, 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 you had, and you had experience yeah, and in, it was, in dealing and, with that kind of life. Right. He actually went missing on the sistership of my last ship. Mm -hmm. So, which was, you know what I'm saying? So he went missing. I told my mother what I wanted to do. And she was like, you sure? I said, mom. I don't know how, I don't know what, but I just, this is what I want to do. I feel like I got to help somebody because I was there. I know how that feeling is. And so I didn't come up, I'm going to be honest. When it comes to a stroke of faith, somebody else planted that seed into me as far as, you know, through conversation. But I was like, you know what? I can't use this because somebody else gave me this term. So I said, you know what? I'm from Virginia and... 216, boom. That's 200. I did that 18 years. I did the math, broke out a little calculator. That's 216 months. First time I broke it down at church, my pastor, Pastor JL, funny man, comedian, but a teacher at the same time. He said, he looks at me, he said, hey man, we did fair time or something. I said, <laughs> and I said, I said, I said, no, why you said that? In the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, my biological father did many, many years, but I ain't say that. So I said, no, I mean, it's 216 months. So it's a stroke of faith, Virginia 216, and it's 216 months, which classified and stands for 18 years, which is 216 months of undiagnosed mental health and alcoholism, suffering from alcoholism. So, so two, the 216 is 18 years? 18 years. Of undiagnosed mental health, mental health and alcoholism. And alcohol abuse, yeah. Okay. So, and that's, you know, I want to get out there and reach as many people as possible, but I would love to get into places like the Union Mission or uh, the Safe Harbor in Portsmouth, which is a recovery clinic, to actually talk to some men I talk to people in general, but I want to go after a lot of our brothers because a lot of men, they 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 are they're afraid to speak up. It ain't yeah. it don't make you soft. What you want? You know, I'd rather I'd rather talk to you. I'd rather I'd rather talk to you than read about you in the newspaper. Right. Or I see somebody with a rest in peace post on Facebook. I get tired. I even stop watching the news because all this nonsense is going on. Yeah. We're losing too many people at too young of an age, too early of an age, because they giving up on life and I was there, and I don't want to see nobody give up. If I can, if I can encourage you, if I can just be a listening ear to you, I'm here. You hit me up on Eric White as my regular Facebook page or A Stroke yeah. of Faith Virginia two one six because that's what I want to do. That's right. I want to help out. Right, and it's just awesome to see the where you have come from, where you were to where you are today, and I really truly feel. You have a desire to help people. Yeah. So I really feel that that's going to be done. Because when you have a strong desire to help people and your heart is in it and you're doing it with the right intentions, now we're going to have God add the super to your natural. And I'm going to speak that right here, right now, today, that the desire that you have to help people is going to come to pass through your company.
Right. And like we talked offline, I think it was a couple days ago, that you and I linked back up because of the fact that we both have similar beliefs. We both went through similar things. I had I didn't have no stroke by the grace of God. I, I didn't go through that. But I have had issues with um, depression and anxiety as a result of some of the things that I went through in my, my younger years as well. So we have similar beliefs because we have um, incidents that are of the similar variety. So because we have those similar beliefs, I'm going to stand with you as we get to work through your company or through whatever platform it is. Because honestly, to me, it doesn't matter if it's Eric White or it doesn't matter if it's Esco or it doesn't matter. What matters is, is that there are people that are out there that are hurting. Like you said, as in particular, men of color. Even though mental health does get more press, it's still a stigma. And it's still something that people don't want to talk about because they're looked at as, oh, I'm weak. Or, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a man if I have gone through something. And for the longest time, I thought that too. Honestly, I thought I was like, man, listen, I'm just, I, you know, I'm weak if I talk about these issues that I'm having in my head or I'm not a I'm not a man's man because I don't bring to the forefront the issues of my heart, the issues of my mental. So I really feel like it's gonna take people like Eric White to go out to the world and really show that it's okay to not be okay. It is okay to have these issues deep rooted within your mind that you don't necessarily know how to get it out. Yeah. And Although he went through something traumatic, you might not have to wait until something that traumatic to get your healing. If you can identify that you have gone through something, then let's go ahead and attack it before it gets to a traumatic event like a stroke or before it gets to somebody passing away or somebody committing suicide. Let's attack these issues at the forefront before it gets to such an extreme issue. Let's attack these issues. And I really feel deep down, like I shared with you, we've had a couple of conversations now. Actually, we've had many conversations about if we can help, if something that we say can help one person, then we have fulfilled the purpose. But we know that there's more than one person out there. Oh, yeah, man. That's dealing with something. Yeah. So we, we so we have to take it upon ourselves to use our platform, use our social media platforms to speak to people who are fighting, who are struggling and don't necessarily know or feel comfortable in speaking about the issues that they've had. So I thank God for this man right here, really using himself and really bearing his soul, essentially, to put himself out there because he could have just dealt what he dealt with. And kept quiet and then kept it pushing. But no, he wants to use his testimony to be able to encourage somebody to say, hey, you don't got to go through that, man. You don't you don't have to deal with these things in silence. So, brother, I commend you for really, really putting yourself out there and really allowing yourself to be used by God. Because essentially what you're doing is you're allowing the Lord to use you through the struggles that you've gone with. You are you're allowing God to really take you to a place where he can strip you down of all the stuff that the world sees. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. 
And I'm not trying to preach to y'all. I promise yeah. you I'm not. But he can really strip you down and peel away the layers to where you are stripped down to basically nothing. So that way he can use you for his glory. And it's so awesome that you're doing that. And so I want to make sure that I am going to be, I, I, I can't outshare your mom. Because I know your mom is your biggest share. I, I can't outshare your mom. I can't do that. Yeah, but I'm gonna be right there behind you, and wherever God takes you, man, I, I want to be there. I want to witness how you can encourage people, and I promise you, if there's anything that I can do to help you do what you gotta do, you got my information. You know how to reach out to me. Uh, you know we've been we've been in communication, and, and so I really really appreciate you just allowing your testimony to be used for the glory of God. See, would you? Your podcast being, even though this this series is on mental health, but your podcast being a faith-based podcast. Exactly. A faith-based podcast. I'm talking about, I'd have seen this man, you know, on other podcasts in the, in the what was it, the Midwest? Because it's in the Midwest? What was yeah, it? when I went to Detroit. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, Detroit, yeah. Mm-hmm. but you, you doing it, you doing it, you know, this is... This may be the beginning, but it's most definitely not the end because there's so much that. ahead for you, brother. Like, I even, even when I shoot you text messages, it's always something like, yo, you know, then when you shot me that message last Sunday, I was in church. And uh, last Sunday morning, I was like, dang, can't text me this early on a Sunday? Yeah, I was actually and out of Yeah, he was out of town. I read that text. I had to, even though it was in the middle of service, I had to shoot you a message back because that message you sent me was so deep you know what i'm saying and that actually it, it lifted me up in so many different ways and then i put the phone back in my pocket and got that awesome word i get every single wednesday at church yeah i mean i wednesday every single well wednesday tuesday and sunday at relevant church or relevant at chesapeake christensen so yeah awesome man but i appreciate this man like for real for real <laughs> somebody said he was texting the church I'm sorry. Yes, I, 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 I'll take I'll take, I'll take the, the blame for that. It was my fault. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I want to. We go go ahead and close this out. Um, but before I do, my brother was kind enough to bless me with some merch from his company, A Stroke of Faith, Virginia Two Sixteen. So yeah. I just want to uh, trust me. I'm gonna wear this proud. Um, oh, Thank you, I got man. me, I got me a hoodie, and I got me a t-shirt. You know, I love me a good t-shirt, so I'm definitely gonna wear these proud, man. I really appreciate him, you know, blessing me with this. And like I said, this is just the beginning for you, man. And the reason why you're still here is because you have an assignment. Thank you, man. Yeah. You have an assignment that you got to carry out. That's why that stroke didn't take you out of here. Because you have an, you literally have an assignment that you have to complete. And the Lord keeps us and allows us to move in certain ways because of these assignments that we have to, that we have to walk in. So that right there is something that I'm aware proudly I'm promoting. And listen, I got 8,000 followers on Facebook. Um, I got another about 2,000 on Instagram or what have you. I want you guys to go to this man's page, Eric White. Go to his business page, a um, a stroke of faith 
Virginia 216. Shut his joint down. <laughs> Shut it down. Like, share his video, share his content. Um, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to come out and, and do this episode. And like I said, this is this is nothing. Right. This is only up from here, man. I thank you for having me. Yes, yes sir. Real. And as I always do, guys, I want to go ahead and close out with a word of prayer. Um, as you guys have heard me say, prayer is the cornerstone of my life. I am nothing without God. This is a faith-based program. I'm not doing this for any applause. I'm not doing it for anything. I'm doing this to the glory of God. Um, so I do want to go ahead and close this out with a word of prayer. If you guys will join me um, and just allow the Lord to speak to you right where you are, right in the midst of what you're doing. Um, so let us go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you right now, Lord. We thank you for a time such as this, Lord. We thank you for allowing us to be in your presence yet again, Lord. Lord, it is my prayer at this time that I lift my brother Eric up to you, Lord. You see his heart, Lord. You see the desire that he has to reach people, Lord. So I ask, Lord, that you give him the wisdom to be able to go forth in ministry and do what he needs to do. And let it be not for his glory, Lord, but let it be for the edification of you, Lord. Let him have you glorified through his works, Lord. Lord, it is our prayer that we just continue to walk in the light of God, Lord. Everywhere that we go, allow us to be illuminating for those that are in the darkness, Lord. Allow us to be the encouragement that somebody needs to be able to rise up out of the darkness that they're in and come to the light, Lord. Allow us to speak to those that feel like they don't have a voice, Lord. Allow us to be instruments for your glory, Lord. Allow us to do what it is that you have us to do. Because of the fact that there are people that need you, Lord. There are people that need to hear a word from you. And if it has to come through us or come through somebody else, we pray, Lord, that you just continue to allow us to be used. And Lord, keep us humble, Lord. Allow us to not get too big-headed as we go to higher levels, Lord. Because we know that if it wasn't for you, Lord, we would not be in the positions that we are. If it wasn't for you, Lord, we would not be elevated to the positions that we're going to, Lord. If it wasn't for you, Lord, we would not have a platform to speak on. It is you that give us those, those platforms. It is you that gives us the words to say when we don't have them ourselves, Lord. It is you that gives us the knowledge and the wisdom. But allow us to remain humble in it. Allow us to not take it for granted, Lord. And Lord, let us not forget to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise because you alone are God and you are most certainly worthy, Lord. It is these things that I ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. And let everyone say amen. Amen, amen. And amen, amen. Thank you, brother. And one last thing for me, as I see in every one of my videos, don't give up. Don't give up. I don't care what it is. Don't give up. Man, all right. Well, I'm gonna we go ahead and close it out on that note. So, with that being stated, this is another episode of Disciple Talks. I am your host, Esco the Disciple, my co-host Eric Wright. We're signing off. Take care. God bless. I love you. But remember, God loves you more. Peace. <laughs>